0: We see all those like before and afters and the, you know, pregnancy versus postpartum images, and that can cause a lot of triggering and trauma for like a lot of people too, right? So I think really, I, I always to explain like, you're never going to bounce back. Why would you want to bounce back? Because you just birthed a beautiful thing right like it's important to like acknowledge that we want to move forward right Mm -hmm. i always say like if our knowledge in life never grew like where would we be right so like our bodies are going to grow too our bodies are meant to change the same way like our knowledge in life is meant to change too
1: welcome to mom strength a podcast and movement to empower educate and showcase mom strength inside and out I'm your host, Surabhi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as The Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations, where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Mom Strength. This is your host Suda Bivich, and I'm really excited to have on one of my guests here today, who is a dietitian, Maya Alualia. And so, first of all, I think Maya and I connected over, I want to say, like a year, a year and a half ago, on social media. Um, you know, I really liked her posts and she liked my posts and we were kind of going back and forth. And then she invited me to connect over this type of kind of like a business group, mentorship group. And then we just got to know each other since we work with a lot of similar clients, uh, and I really value her expertise. So I'm really excited to have you on here, Maya. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. And so, yeah. And so I know you work with a lot of women and kids. Am I right? Yeah. Um, and what, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like what made you want to become a dietitian, and you know, how you got to working with the group of people that you do now?
0: Yeah. I've always had an interest in food and nutrition growing up. I did a lot of sports and I actually initially kind of had an interest in sport nutrition and believe it or not, when I went into nutrition in my undergrad, I actually wanted to be a dentist. So what? I was like, I like food, I like nutrition. It's I'm gonna get a bachelor of science and then I can still become a dentist but I literally did not know what a dietitian was and everyone in my class, I didn't realize how niche my course was that I was taking my program and everyone around me was like, Oh, like I'm here to be a dietitian. I was like, what is a dietitian? (laughs) Um, But when I learned that I could like counsel and educate about food and nutrition, I was like, Oh, okay. This is what I want to do. Actually. Um, I just didn't even know that that was like a career. An option. Yeah.
1: That's the thing. I didn't, I didn't know that. I had no idea. And I never would have considered it because I didn't hear of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so you became a dietitian. And how did you get to working with women and kids? Was that always your passion, kind of working with that group? Because you mentioned sports.
0: Yeah, so initially when I started practicing, I was working in sport nutrition. I was working at a clinic um, that was like physios and kairos and in a sports facility, Um, And that was where my passion was initially. And when I actually started practicing more, um, a lot of my like friends, family were asking me questions about like pregnancy and babies. And I honestly didn't really know a whole lot because it wasn't something that was taught to me in my undergrad or my internship really. But as I started researching for them, I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. And I feel like it's an area that's still like very untapped. Um, So that's where my interest really grew and I think as I went into private practice that's where I started to focus a little bit more on and just focus my like own education and understanding and that led me to wanting to work with those clients and and thankfully now being able to specialize in those areas um, in my private
1: practice. It's so true because most of the time this is kind of similar to my journey as a physio. I worked in sports medicine and orthopedics. And before I had kids myself, I would always wonder, like, why are moms not getting better? Why are they not doing their exercises? And the reality is we didn't study how to actually support mothers who are oftentimes the ones who are cooking for their families, who are oftentimes doing so much. And working with that subset of population, you have to have more information and more learning. So That's very cool that you got into um, that line of work. And I would love to actually ask you a few questions on just some tips that you have for Mm -hmm. postpartum folks in supporting their nutrition. Cause I can tell you that was something that was really important to me, especially after my first kid, I made everything from scratch. I I made a bunch of like healthier muffins and bars and balls that kept it in the freezer. Always had stuff stocked. Now with two kids, I can tell you, I have not cooked more than 10 times in the past two years. It's usually my husband, which I'm very grateful for, but I want to get back there. What are some simple ways we can get back to focusing on our nutrition um, without it feeling so overwhelming?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think life gets busy, but I also think like prioritizing ourselves is important. Um, I always talk about like with the moms that I work with, like, you're telling me all these things that you're doing for other people, but like, what are you doing for yourself? Right. And thinking about feeding yourself, moving your body is things that like you need to do for yourself. Right. Again, we're not going to like feel guilty if we don't, but like thinking of it, like I need to shower, I need to brush my teeth. I need to eat. Right. And like prioritizing that as an important piece, um, of your own like lifestyle, um the other thing is i do think like that planning piece can be really helpful especially kind of in the early stages of postpartum whether it's again relying on like family members to like help bring some meals for you or if there is opportunity for you to like prepare some things before you deliver so that you have those easily available for you when you do um need them and then also like don't be afraid to like cut those corners as well i feel like again um, people are like always thinking that I'm going to tell them like you have to make everything from scratch and only shop in like style <laughs> yeah um, but again like I love bag salads like I love like getting things like whole roasted chickens let's say I'm pulling that apart canned beans are great like don't feel like you have to make everything from scratch
1: it's that it's very similar approach that we have in terms of like, even in fitness, it's that all or nothing approach that people have is like, if I can't work out four days a week, then I, why bother? Right. And it's like, you can just do a little bit and that's okay. It doesn't have to be everything. Yeah. Um, and that something is better than nothing. And, you know, that approach of mums as women, as people who are having babies, we are also worth taking care of ourselves, you know, yeah. like we are, we are important too. And um, so much of, I think so much of our lack of self-care stems from a lack of like self-worth and us being told all our lives that we are there to take care of others. Yeah. Um, and that
0: definitely impacts food. Yeah. I mean, thinking like, oh, I need to like wash the dishes before I need to like feed myself. Right. I feel like a lot of moms can relate to that. Or I need to like, I don't know, vacuum the floor before I'm going to make myself a meal, right? Like that floor can wait, right? But like you need to eat. Um, So I think like, again, that's like shifting those priorities and knowing like, again, what we see on social media and like in society isn't like reality, right? And we have to work on changing that narrative. And like, it starts with us and what we show up and do and show others. And-
1: And you're right, because on social media, it's very easy to see even like a nutritionist diet, sorry, dietitians page and be like, oh my gosh, like I don't eat anything like that. I'm so unhealthy. And you're like, you know what, that person is probably also not eating that all that way all the time. And they're sharing meals as ideas. But we, we get this assumption that everyone else is so healthy. Everyone else is so fit, and I'm not doing enough. But the reality is that we are all kind of the same. And we all have days where we move more, we, we eat, you know, more nutritious foods than days where we don't. Yeah. Um, and I love that you take that kind of shame and guilt aspect off out of it because there's so much guilt associated with food. Yeah. Um, do you, can you tell me, let's talk about diet culture because ultimately people have babies and they're told you're beautiful when you're pregnant, this big, big, beautiful bump, you're glowing. And the second that baby's out of you, you are ignored. You're like waste. Mm-hmm. You're literally yeah. like an empty bag of milk that you're like being disposed of. And so there's this huge shock to your self-esteem and self-worth because you did feel very beautiful in pregnancy or a lot of people did. I'm not saying everybody. yeah. But then postpartum, you feel, you know, you're like, ah, oh, I'm so ugly. And there's this like, I need to control how I look to get back to how I used to look. Yeah. Um, and you know, the fit Fitfluencers we see online posting their thin, thin before after bodies or bounce back bodies. Does that come up a lot in your line of work?
0: Yeah, I think, again, being a weight inclusive dietitian, um, a lot of people still that find me on Google or like find me through different websites don't realize like what I do. So I find most people are still coming to me saying, hey, Maya, like I'm here to lose weight. What can you do to help me? Um, and I really set those expectations from the beginning, because, again, like we need to be a good fit to work together. Right. So, you know, I really support clients from creating lifestyle changes, um, making sure that they're sustainable. We don't just look at what we look like or the number on the scale. We talk about how are we feeling? What is our blood work showing us? Um you know what's our relationship with food our relationship with our body and i know we're going to talk a little bit about like the team as well that we have but that's why it's really important to take that holistic approach to health and like not just looking at like one problem for as is right so i can say okay yeah you want to lose weight okay let's focus just on the number on the scale but we're missing out on all these other things like how does this person feel um, is there any sort of like disordered eating happening here you know, what is happening in their life that like we need to consider, right? So when we are only focusing on that one thing, like weight loss or bouncing back, we're not focusing on like really what is happening in their life, right? And so again, like, like you said, you know, we see all those like before and afters and the, you know, pregnancy versus postpartum images. And that can cause a lot of triggering and trauma for like a lot of people too, right? So I think really, I I always try to explain like you're never going to bounce back. Why would you want to bounce back? Because you just birthed a beautiful thing, right? Like it's important to like acknowledge that we want to move forward, right? Mm-hmm. I always say like if our if if our knowledge in life never grew, like where would we be, right? So like our bodies are going to grow too. Our bodies are meant to change the same way like our knowledge in life is meant to change too. I love that. This is a lot of confirmation bias because I'm
1: like, yes, because these are the messages that I like to share as well. And one thing that you mentioned that is really important is that it is a lifestyle approach change. And sometimes that word lifestyle gets a negative connotation, like, oh my God, change your lifestyle, change your life. But it's actually true because when you start to work on those habits and behaviors and understand why that person may even want to lose weight, is it a low self-esteem? Is it, Being bullied as a kid, is it, you know, when you get to know the person in front of you, then you understand why they have the goals that they have. And then you can properly support them in a kind of a holistic whole person sense. Um, I see a lot of, I get that too. Usually if people find me on Instagram, they're like, we're already a good fit because they've been following me for a while. They kind of know who I am. But if they found me on Facebook or if they found me on like Google or they just somehow heard of me, Sometimes, yeah, it's that conversation, but this might not be the right fit because I am not a weight loss fitness coach. You know, I'm here to help you feel good, get strong and in a holistic sense. Do you ever have to turn people away who are there for solely weight loss or are you feel, or do you feel like you can help them navigate that change as
0: well? Yeah. I mean, I think actually a lot of people, once I explain what I can help them with, they're like, oh yeah, that's actually like what I was looking for. Um, So that's really nice to hear. But again, you know, there is still a lot of people that are going to come to you and they only want to see that like number change. Right. And again, we can't change people's thoughts always. Right. So people have to want to make that change. And it has to align with like our approach too, right? Because I don't want to waste people's time, money, resources, when I'm not going to be able to give them also like what they're looking for. And I'm not going to be able to give them what they're looking for if they're not in that readiness to change, right? Or they're open to kind of like work together in the way that I approach things too. So, I mean, there's definitely like, I I always offer what I call free discovery calls. So people can always like connect and we can talk a little bit more about my approach what they're looking for so there's no commitment when it comes to that but then you know there's obviously people that definitely don't follow through with booking an appointment and I'm okay with that right because I think that's part of the process and like also yeah. realizing, like you're meant to work with the people that you're meant to work with and yes. it's and you know there's a lot of people that come back I was just going to say,
1: they they might not be ready now, but in six months, they might be, and they might have the finances or resources or time. Um, And I I love that. I feel like that speaks to a lot of integrity in the way you approach your work. And that's one of my values in my work too. And I think it's important. You know, earlier on in my career, I used to say, yeah, I help everyone, right? But then when you help everyone, you're like, I actually help no one because there are other people who are better at helping that person with a concussion than I am. So that person is going to be better at, you know, helping that person, not me. And so I think that's actually a part of like learning and growing as a, as a healthcare
0: practitioner ourselves. I think that's also where like our team comes in, right? So you know, on our team at Nourishing Balance, we have three dietitians. So if I'm not a good fit, maybe one of our other dietitians is a good fit to work with you, right? So again, a lot of people don't realize that we have our team. And so when they call in, let's say, hey, I'm looking to book an appointment with Maya, they maybe aren't a good fit to work with me. And we let them know we do have someone that is a good fit, right? So it's nice to kind of have, again, those different options for people, Um, But again, we all do work from that like weight inclusive lens, right? It just depends on like what areas in health that we focus on health and nutrition. And
1: so what are some of the areas that your, uh, your team um, kind of not targets, but encompasses who do you work with?
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned, I primarily work with like women and kids. So it's a lot of, uh, endocrine conditions, fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and then intro to solids and children, nutrition, Um, Anika, one of our dietitians, who I know we've connected with the three of us, um, she focuses more on chronic disease, gut health, and eating disorders and disordered eating. Um, And then our third dietitian, Lena, actually has more of that sports-focused lens, and then also has training in like women's health and disordered eating as well, which is, you know, believe it or not, really prevalent, right? So. We, again, all kind of use a similar approach in terms of that sustainability piece when we work with our clients. Um, But it's nice that we have different options available for people depending on what they're looking for, because we know what we're great at. And like you said, I don't want to disappoint someone in the care that I give them.
1: Yeah. We want to give people the best care. And yeah, we know that there's some people who we can't give the best care to, because we're just yeah. not the best fit. And so that's interesting. So because I feel like what you just mentioned about disordered eating, yeah. it can impact anyone, whether it's they're an athlete, they're a, a mom, you know, a lot of my clients have disordered eating. And yeah. in the sense that maybe it's not intentional disordered eating, but it's yeah. like, oh, they haven't eaten until 3pm that day. Oh, they are busy feeding and taking care of everyone else. And they're eating one meal a day and like losing weight too quickly postpartum. But these are seen as society as a beautiful, oh, wow. You bounced back. Oh, you look great. But in reality, that mother is not very healthy and she doesn't feel good. Yeah, And, you know, bounce back culture. (laughs) uh, I had made a post a while ago. It's like, it doesn't take six weeks. You know, it takes like 18 to 24 months minimum to fully recover. And yeah. everyone just looks at the physical piece. Cause you can see that visibly, but like the mental, the emotional, the, even just starting yeah. to cook for myself again, like I'm two years postpartum with my second. And now I feel ready to invest more time, you know, attention, energy, and actually enjoy the process before it's like rush, rush, rush. And now yeah. I'm like, Oh, kids are a little bit older there's a little bit more breathing space. And so when we try to bounce back, we miss out on that, that whole process and journey. Um, what's it like for you? Because I know you don't have kids. Do you feel, how do you feel working with kids? Does it become, um, do people question that? Does it become a
0: barrier? Um, I mean, I'm excited for the day where I can like really, really truly relate, but I mean, I have nieces and nephews that I get to like, be in their nutrition and like food journey which is like really nice yeah um so I'm I've been around that and I think again that's like where my passion stemmed from um and I mean I'm always learning too right so I have a nephew that was recently born and when we get ready to introduce solids him, I say we as if I'm like gonna do it you're like (laughs) I'm I'm the mom here I'm gonna be introducing solids here (laughs) um but like when I get asked to help which I know will happen Um, you know, I, I'm always learning too. Right. And I think every family though is so different with where their readiness comes from, you know, whether the child's ready, whether the parents ready, the method in which they choose to introduce things. And I think for me, it's, it's not even necessarily like being a parent that I need to relate to. It's just like being understanding, right? Like everyone's journey looks different. And I think like, that's important to just recognize no matter like who you're working with, whether it's children or an adult, um, depending on where, where they're at. So I always like make that very clear to people, right? Like, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to work with you and meet you where you're at. And that's where, again, like there's no one size fits all when you're working with us, which is unlike a lot of other, you know, diets or programs yeah. that you have right it's very individualized and it takes time right like like you said it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to happen in a week um and it's going to take time right so we need to work together but that person needs to like want to hear and listen and learn and and i'm here to like work with them to figure out what works and like some of the conditions
1: that you work with like pcos or endometriosis like they're not overnight fixes or you know it's a long journey to figure out what is the best way to support, you know, your body. If you have, if you have those, um, endocrine conditions. And I really true, truly think if we're open and honest right off the bat and say that this is not an overnight thing, people respect that. And Mm -hmm. then the people who are ready come to us ready. Like it's incredible. You know, I work with some of the best people now that I'm like, I love this because this is such a perfect fit and they're just so ready for the work that, needs to happen. And especially
0: like in that space of women's health, I feel like there's just such a lack of education. So I think just educating people on like what they're actually going through. Like I've had so many patients that when I first asked them like any medical history, I should be aware of. They're like, Oh no, nothing. And then we start talking about like periods and menstruation. They're like, Oh yeah, I don't really get my period. Oh, I think I was told I have cysts at some point in time. Right. And then I'm like, Oh, and then like it gets brought up later down the road, right? But again, it's like, because things are so brushed off in our system that like people don't even know what they're living with. So how are they supposed to even find resources, find tools, get support, um, you know, work with someone when they don't even actually like know what they're living with, right? So I always say like, it can be really overwhelming to get a diagnosis, but having an answer and like knowing what that answer is, I find is so powerful because then you can go and find the resources and tools that you need. I agree.
1: I, I think a lot of the times, unless you're in a, at a state of stress or crisis, the healthcare system here won't look at you. So yeah. if you're just like, ah, things don't feel right, but you know, it's not an emergency. They're like, all right, see ya. <laughs> you know. And with PCOS, so many people living with PCOS or thyroid issues it's not like a major crisis until maybe they're trying to get pregnant or you know and that's when these issues really come up to surface but meanwhile they've had these issues since they were a teenager right they just
0: like you said go on birth control come back when you want to get pregnant right but like so many people don't want to go on birth control so like what is the alternative answer from our medical system right and usually like there's not really much. Um, so, I mean, I can only imagine how it feels and that's why, like, I'm really passionate on being able to support those women, like even in their like teenage years, right. When like, they feel like there's no other answer. Yes. Um, Yeah.
1: What's your, um, can you talk a little bit about endometriosis? Because some people don't even know what what that is. And I think it can be a very freeing, like you said, powerful diagnosis to receive because you're like, (gasps) oh. Like that's why I feel the way I do. Right. Um, can you tell Uh, me what it is and you know how it affects people?
0: Yeah. Endometriosis is, it can be like really painful and debilitating. Um, basically where like tissue that usually lines certain organs of your body, the inside of your uterus, mainly it starts growing outside of the uterus and it can grow on other parts of your body, um, even like over your gut area. Um, And so it can lead to other complications as well, right? Um, Digestive issues, pain, um, fertility issues. So it's, it's really hard because again, with endometriosis, it's really unique for everyone in terms of like where that tissue starts to develop. And it's usually stark scar tissue that tends to develop as well. So mm. it's really hard to, um, I guess like manage, but again, like when you work with a specialist, so I actually don't work too, too much with patients with endometriosis, another dietitian um, and colleague friend of mine, that's, all she does and she lives with endometriosis as well so I usually actually will refer to her if um, a patient is like coming to me just for the support of endometriosis again a lot of patients maybe on medications that like has their endometriosis and in control and then maybe they're working on more so like okay I want to work on like how I can diversify my diet or just improve like balancing out my meals so like in that situation. Okay. Like I have an understanding of endometriosis. Um, and I can still support them on like their present goals. But if someone's coming to me usually like with the diagnosis and they're like, Hey, I need that help. I usually will refer to the other dietitian. Um, that's awesome that there's
1: people who specialize in just, just that. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool way to collaborate too, you know, Mm -hmm. with, with your colleagues. Um, yep. thanks. I know, I know I have, I've worked with a few clients who've had endometriosis yeah. um, and it is my old, uh, my best friend and my old roommate has it as well. And like everyone in her family does. And I, I've seen how it can be so debilitating for people. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I wanted to ask is a lot of the times in the postpartum space, there's this rush to, Um, you know, stop eating gluten, stop eating this, stop eating, like cut out entire food groups, maybe for the baby, maybe if you're breast or chest feeding. But sometimes it's just, you know, people develop these sensitivities, it seems. Can you talk a little bit about that and like
0: what that's like? Yeah, I think we're like always really fast to like be like, I need to eliminate this, this, and this, especially when it comes to like breastfeeding. Um, because we're trying to like, do what's best for the baby. Let's say like they're, you know, more colicky or like they're gassy or they're constipated. Like, I feel like it's, we're really fast. to be Like I need to do X, Y, and Z like right now. And firstly, I would say like, if you do all those things at once, how are you going to know what works? Right. (laughs) You're like, I'm only eating (laughs) tomatoes. That's the only thing I can eat right now. Yeah, so it's like how you to know like what hmm. caused anything if you remove everything from your diet or add all these like supplements, let's say, into your diet all at once. Um, you don't really know like what worked or what didn't work and what someone's reacting to if you do everything at once. So I feel like that's where working with someone that is a professional is like really helpful. I know there's like so many mom groups and there's a lot of like health medical questions that get asked in there. Um, yeah. Um, And again, like what worked for one mom may work for you, but it also may not, right? So it's important to take caution when you're taking anything um, or even eliminating things, right? Because that can lead to nutrient deficiencies. And you may be thinking you're doing like yourself good or your baby good, but you may not be, right? Yeah. Um, The other thing to consider, like the way that I like to approach it is like, what can we do to like, add things into your diet to balance things out more as opposed to from that like restrictive perspective um you know as a new mom or just anyone in general we're so busy so what can you do to like actually make eating and feeding less stressful as opposed to more stressful we're already probably stressed and panicked thinking like I need to eliminate or I need to make some change but like, wouldn't it feel a lot better if we could add something in there that would balance things balance out? It out.
1: And that, that's right in your name out. too, right? Nourishing yeah. balance is yeah. one thing that I often hear is like moms um, eating a lot of sugar. And I did this too, because you're exhausted. You're up at 2 a.m. Yeah. and you're up at 4 a.m. And you're like, I just need to stay awake so I don't fall asleep on this baby while I'm feeding yeah. them. And yeah. so you reach for something to eat. With my first, I literally every time she would feed, because she like- was a monster feeder. She would drink everything up. My body was like, you know, it was just an overdrive. I had oversupply. So I had to eat a lot to keep up with it. And I was a very thin person going into that pregnancy. So I had to like eat a lot to kind of like gain the weight to be able to breastfeed. But I found is that then I felt like I was just eating things that were like sugary all the time, right? Like Mm -hmm. cereal or, um, you know, quick, easy things like cookies. And back then I did spend more time baking and preparing foods that had more like almonds and nuts. And so there was a bit of fiber, but then with my second, like I said, I didn't have time or I didn't, didn't prioritize that. And it was just like, sugary snacks, chips, all that stuff. And you're like, this is not actually sustaining me. I had -hmm. a client yesterday who was like, yeah, I feel really bad. I just eat sugary things all day. And she's a single mom of two. So like what kind of advice would help somebody to just add more to balance all that out?
0: Yeah, Um, I was working with a client as well that was postpartum and she just felt like she was constantly craving like sweets um, or sugar. And so what we really- realize and I find is often an issue is that we're lacking protein in our diet in this in this case scenario so we're hungry we're like I don't know what to grab so I'm going to grab something easy but again that's like quick energy it's going to give you energy but then you're going to crash so then you're going to grab it again right but usually what we're lacking is like those satisfying meals so having things on hand, like even just like some cashews and nuts. so even if you are having something like chocolate or, or a granola bar that maybe has more sugar, well, what can we do to balance that? Right. So maybe we can have some like almonds or cashews or walnuts to go with that. Or can I grab something like a yogurt and maybe add like some, whatever sweetness thing that we want, or like maybe a sweeter granola into that, or um, maybe we can crumble even a cookie into that, right. We can have fun foods and also balance those fun foods out so that we're not feeling like we're only eating that sugar, right. We're also having some easy things that we can grab that are also like protein rich to help satisfy you too for longer. That's one thing
1: that I, um, since I started eating more protein, like instead of granola bars have a protein bar, like even just yeah. switching to a little bit more protein in my diet has made it way easier. Um, and for those of us, like I'm vegetarian and I am like a dairy does not feel good in my body. So a lot of traditional diet culture, not diet culture, diet advice is like, eat, eat meat, eat the yogurt. And you're like, you know, a dairy yogurt has protein, coconut yogurt doesn't right? So it's, it's, it looks the same, but it's not the same substitute. So I think that's important for me is to just, you know, have an understanding of people's like cultures. And so for you, you're South Asian. Yeah. How do you find that that helps your clients um, in terms of like giving them realistic advice that they can
0: follow? Yeah, I think it's huge, right? Like, I think as a team as a whole, we really take that like, cultural sensitivity to things And understand that, like, again, we're all learning, but also I think for a lot of people, I'm actually working with a a mom who is really stressed and overwhelmed. And she just said, like, I just don't have the time or energy to explain what I'm getting to someone else. Right. So there may be someone that may be able to help me with my goals better, quote unquote, Um, but she just wants someone that really understands her diet. And a lot of my clients, because of my name, will find me um, and they'll be like, I just want an Indian dietitian to work with. Um, And so I think it really helps understanding what their diet does look like and being able to, or we can understand, but we may not be able to make recommendations, right? Like an understanding and being able to recommend things is really different. The biggest thing I find with my clients and I work a lot with um, vegetarian clients or pescatarian clients is that usually when we're having like, let's say like a roti and a dish, it's one dish that we're having with it. And it's either a vegetable or a protein item. Mm -hmm. It's never both being really present there. Um, And I noticed from a lot of the clients I work with is that um, they really are used to having like fresh made things every day, especially if they came to Canada not long ago. Yeah. and made, You're like, like half- reused or like leftovers. <laughs> You're like, it's got to be fresh every day. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like depending on um, their class, like in India, let's say as an example, yes. right? Like you have people to help cook for you. That was like and my family. Here and do you have to do it all on your own? Right. Um, so, so I mean, we're still cooking every day, but like now we're only making one thing per day and it's usually lacking one thing or the other. Right. right. So um, we really try to work on like, what are some easy things that we can do to, um, you know, make sure that you're getting all of those three components there. Right. So like, let's say we're having like a doll, which is a lentil and like a roti. Well, can we add even in some like chopped cucumbers, tomatoes, and onions on the side of that. So you're getting some fiber to go with that too. Right. Um, or like, is there a veggie, even if it's like a bagged frozen veggie that you can like saute with like some seasonings that you like, um, that's a good idea. It can be anything, right? But that's where, like again, I work with people one on one, and we figure out like what works, what's actually um, realistic and sustainable, yeah. like you said, and like what way work for you, where you maybe have your husband's help may not work for someone else, right? So it's like, how can we figure out what works for you is really working, like one on one, with with the client. That's
1: awesome. Um, I agree. I don't want to, you know, if I'm going to see someone, I don't want to be like, Oh, dal is this. And you know, Rajma is this. I just want that person to know what those foods are. And that's an extra level of labor on the, like the client shouldn't have to do more labor. You're paying someone to do this job for you. Right. It's like, I don't want to have to explain myself. And I think that's such an important thing. We just started, we, as if I started it, um, Janelle Howell, who's a pelvic health physiotherapist, started this women of color pelvic physical therapy directory Mm -hmm. because she was finding, and we all find this, because most of the time you look up pelvic physios, every directory is just everybody's white. Even in the social media space, there are so many white physical therapists or physios and fitness pros. And so, as a brown or as a black person, as an indigenous person, as an Asian person, you're looking at this and you're like, I don't see myself represented anywhere. And sure, you might seek out services, but we all know that, like, when you don't see yourself represented, you don't even know that these things are for you. Mm -hmm. And so, I really do think that it's important that your team has this cultural sensitivity lens and, you know, is open about it and actually supports the clients that oftentimes get probably turned away or shamed. I know when my parents moved here, I was 10 and the, the principal gave us the Canada's food guide. We're like, it's meat, meat, meat and carbs. And then there's like like there's like no legumes, it's all just dairy. And like my parents did, we don't eat like that, right? Yeah. It's not even close to how we eat. I started drinking 4 cups of milk a day cuz I was told I had to drink 3 to 4 cups of milk and I was too thin. Mm-hmm. And so I developed horrendous acne that not nobody in my family had because yeah. dairy in my body did not get along. It's very yeah. different putting a bit of ghee on your food versus like drinking 4 cups of milk a day or like eating cheese with every meal. So, yeah, I really value that there are people like you now when, you know, too bad I didn't meet you when my or my parents didn't meet you when they first moved here because it's hard for immigrant families.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we also just brought on like a South Asian therapist to our team as well. And again, that's because we want to people like a lot of our clients are South Asian, right? And they yeah. want someone that understands like their life and what they go through. Right. One of the biggest things that even I've learned, cause like I was born and raised in Canada, um, and my grandparents have lived here as well, but a lot of my clients have parents back home. And yes. so they don't go to bed till like 12, one in the morning because they're spending that time talking to their family back home. Right. So it's like trying to figure out what works for them based off of like where things are at. Like, I'm not t- going to tell them, okay, you can't talk to your family. You need to go to bed. Yeah. But yeah. like, how can we make sure that like, you're getting adequate sleep. Right. Yes. Um, and like, we look at those things, right. Like movement, sleep, stress, like it's all very interconnected.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, you can't shame someone for being awake when they're like, this is the only time I can talk to my parents, and I need this for my sanity. And also the luxury that we have, my parents and I, you know, we immigrated together, so I am very fortunate. But there are a lot of people who come here by themselves, knowing no one else, and that journey is so much harder for them. They don't have people bringing them food in the postpartum phase, and so they're having to figure it out and navigate it all for themselves. And um, I usually encourage my My clients to you know food prep for postpartum, especially when they're pregnant, but also reaching out to a dietitian. Is your work OHIP
0: covered in Ontario? Uh, So no, our services aren't OHIP covered at all. Um, If people have extended health benefits then they may have coverage for registered dietitian Perfect. Uh, in terms of our company as a whole. Um, so we also brought in a nurse practitioner about six months ago um, because we really saw the gap in the industry around um, especially women's health. We felt that in mental health, a lot of doctors don't feel comfortable uh, commenting on mental health, women's health. And so we felt like we were doing a disservice to our clients because we weren't able to, uh, really give them that like full circle approach. So I'd be like, oh, you know, there may be something happening here, but like, I can't order you testing as a dietitian. So you need to go and talk to your family doctor. Well, some of those clients don't have family doctors. Um, I know I never, I didn't have a family doctor till like probably three years after I graduated undergrad. Cause I would just go to the student, uh, office yeah. and just yeah. go see them there. Yeah. Um, and then it's so hard to get a family doctor as well, especially a female one. So a lot of people are just going to walk in clinics, which again, kind of just get pushed on the rug or a one problem per appointment type thing. Right. So, <laughs> which got- is so
1: hilarious. Cause you're like, but all of this is related, but okay. I'll tell you about my like neck, you know, it's yeah. like, it's such a like dehumanizing approach. Like, let's just take off your pelvis and we'll talk about that today. <laughs> We'll take out your shoulder, like, but like we're all connected and I love that you do that. So a nurse practitioner, what role do do they play so that you can order blood work through uh, your nurse practitioner? Yeah. So we
0: are a virtual practice. So really the scope of a nurse practitioner here is. The exact same as a family doctor, actually, but we have limitations being virtual. So, obviously, we can't do those physical examinations, let's say like a pap test or anything like that. If we were in person, that is possible. Now, what our nurse practitioner does is she usually is, um, you know, working alongside my clients or people are booking in to see her, whether it's, let's say, a women's health consult or a chronic disease consult where they would get a full body assessment. Um, And again, looking through different aspects of their their full health history, as opposed to just that one problem, one thing. Um, And she also works in the space of like pediatrics as well. So, um, you know, postpartum, uh, newborn consults, mom mental health, postpartum mental health consults. Um, And then if there is blood work needed, then she would order that. That is OHIP covered to most uh, degrees. So the same way it would be if you went to like a family doctor, doctor. that would be covered through that is OHIP covered. Um, And then any requisitions that are needed for let's say like ultrasounds or MRIs, whatever can be done. And then you would meet with her again to review the results. And if there's let's say a prescription needed or um, anything needed like that the same way, again, it would look like if you were going to like your family physician, she can provide that. Mm, Um, so there's just a fee for the consult to see her, but any of the testing or prescriptions, that would be the same way it would work through like our, our OHIP system. Um, now what makes it really unique is again, it's like a lot more thorough, right? So she has that training when it comes to mental health or women's health or chronic disease, where she'll assess things more in depth, and also not just like throw medicine at you when it's not unnecessary. Limited. Yeah. <laughs> and do yes, you see? Arrive, but do you see out of province clients uh, so, as well? Yes. So I do. um Our nurse practitioner can't. um I That's believe I was wondering Ontario, just because of the fact that she's writing like lab requisitions and things like that. So that yes. Has- um in Ontario um but our other team members yeah depending on like what provinces we can work outside of those provinces or outside of just Ontario
1: and so dietitians can work outside of Ontario
0: yeah depending on what province um usually again like I also offer like coaching too, right? So if people are outside of Ontario, yeah. um, depending on like what their goals are, then yeah, I do, I can offer like nutrition coaching for them too. Very
1: cool. That's good to know because I have uh clients from outside Ontario as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that I do that I coach as well for uh movement and a lot of the stress management and lifestyle changes as well. But when it comes to nutrition and diet, I always like to Um, refer to the experts, you know, it's something that's important. Um, Awesome. So is there anything else that you'd like to add about where where can people find you? What's your website? Where's what's your Instagram? What are, uh, how do people book with you? Yeah. So
0: as I mentioned, we're virtual. So all of our services um, usually happen via phone call or video chat. I usually prefer video chat. Uh, So you can book with us. At NursingBalance.ca, and like I said, we offer free 15-minute discovery calls. So if you want to feel us out and get to know us a little bit more, um, you can book that discovery call first. Uh, make sure you check your benefits, right? Because we right. have um, therapists, we have a social worker, we have dietitians, and then we have the nurse practitioner as well. So you may have coverage for all of those. So don't let those go to waste, especially with the year coming to the your end. Your end is coming. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and so so and, many people that's a barrier financial they have a financial barrier so i t- i do think it's important to recognize that you know they can get this covered partially if not the whole yes, thing
0: for sure yeah and um again if if finances are an issue there's different resources that we can obviously provide we also have like i've created an online course for introduction to solid so again like if that's what you're reaching out for, but maybe you're not looking to work one-on-one with someone, I have a course that you can also, um, purchase, which is a lot more affordable. Um, so there's a lot of different resources that we do have available and lots of freebies recipes on our website as well. So definitely check those out. Awesome. And I'll, I'll
1: share a link to those things so that people can easily find you. Um, and what's your Instagram handle?
0: Yes. So my personal Instagram is nourishingbalance.women.kids and then our team Instagram is nourishingbalance.healthteam. Perfect.
1: Awesome. Um
0: and any workshops, any things coming out soon? Nothing launching as of yet. We did a workshop in September. So I'm sure there'll be some some new things happening in the new year, but Perfect. nothing as of yet, right now we're just working on like the one-on-one consults and usually end of year it gets really, really busy. So I would encourage Same. people to, to book ahead. Uh, but yeah, that that's what's happening for us right now. And we're always growing. Like I mentioned, we just brought on the third therapist. So we always are looking for feedback too, but you can find out and follow us along on Instagram.
1: Awesome. So now I want to know, I have some final questions, final thoughts. Um, I want to know some stuff about you. Obviously we've talked about your work and what you do, but I want to know what is a book or podcast that has been life-changing for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts. I did a road trip all the way to Chicago. So I listened to like I love Chicago. Um, The one that I actually recently started listening to is called what the actual fork I love the name. So I'm like, I have to listen to this. I love Um, it. So that's a really great one. Again, like dismantling diet culture and just giving true evidence. Um, I really like that one right now.
1: That sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll check it out. What are three things that you like to do for yourself every day? Hmm. Do you have any rituals or any things that you're like, it's a good day as long as I get these? These things done, or not even things done, but like self care things for yourself.
0: I would say like taking my vitamins and being intentional about that is one thing. I would say doing my skincare routine is important. So like sometimes I'm lazy and I don't like taking makeup off if I've worn like especially mascara. That's what I hate taking off the most. Mm. Um, so making sure that I do my skincare routine is something that I try to do. And just like, I feel like just spending time to relax and like debrief with myself at the end of the day. Like sometimes I'm just like, go, go, go. And being like working for myself. Sometimes I'm working till like nine o'clock at night and you don't sure. have that time to just like Unwind. with yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been, I've been weaving in more breaks during the day because I find yeah. with the kids, it's really difficult when they're home to be ever relaxing. It's like you can be relaxed, but you're still on because you're the parent. So I'm yeah. like during the day, because I have the freedom to d- kind of build that in, I do that so that if I am working in the evening, I'm like, I don't feel so bad because I'm like, I've chilled for like an hour midday or like in the morning. Mm. So I love that you do that for yourself too. And also my eyes are so sensitive. My skin is so sensitive. I don't think I've ever gone to bed without my makeup off. Not that I wear makeup often, but like, yeah, I'm like that person who's like, I have to get up no matter how tired I am. Especially if it's eye makeup, because for sure I'll end up with like a sty or an eye infection or something from it.
0: Yeah. Um, so if you don't, you're you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I'm usually I'm pretty lucky, so that's why I feel like I can like be lazy about yeah, you know, it. Even something like sunscreen, right? Like it can d- dry out your skin. Oh, so so dry, especially with these winter months. I'm like I need to make sure I'm like washing my face before bed and like moisturizing.
1: Moisturizing, yeah. What are you really passionate about right now?
0: Right now, I would say probably one of the biggest things is just helping dismantle like diet culture and like educating people on the fact that like, I'm not here to tell them what to do, but I'm here to like work with them to find what's like the best fit for them or what's going to work for them really. Um, And I feel like, again, a lot of people think like dietitian, I'm going to put them on a diet, but just, I think really talking about how we can like overcome this like diet culture that we've had engraved in our head for so long. Absolutely. And that work is needed.
1: I wish everybody, um, I think it is coming, I think more people are talking about it and realizing that it's not their bodies that are the problem that it's this societal expectation we've had on our mm-hmm. over us the entire our entire lives um i love that and if you could change one thing about the world what would it be
0: um i think probably along my last point like just like when we talk about dismantling diet culture like just Not especially for women, like that stigma of like we need to be thin, we need to look like a model constantly. Um, so I think just like realizing that like all bodies are meant to be different and like we are all beautiful. Um, and I think just if there was more awareness of that, I think that would be really huge.
1: Huge. I mean, that's like half the world are, yeah, like women or people with vulvas. So it's like, yeah. You know, like literally half the world has had that. And I think it affects men too. It does. Right. For um, sure. What do you think is your biggest
0: strength? Um, I think I alluded to this before, but I think just listening um, and always like wanting to learn from others. I think sometimes we're like, I know what I need to do and I'm just going to do it my way. But I think like being open to learning from others um, is really huge I attended a session a couple weeks ago and one of the presenters was just talking about how like sometimes now like our students are excelling past us yes because like our ego gets in the way from like just making change or like wanting to learn from other people right and I think just being open to like learning from others no matter like where they're at in their journey or their age yeah. or what they look like I think is is really important so I would say, one of my strengths is like not letting that get in the way and like, being open. and I think I'm always working on that, but that's something that I, I think has allowed me to be able to get to where I am.
1: And I feel like you're a natural, um, you kind of like bring people together and you're very collaborative, which I don't, which is not common to be honest, yeah. it stands out about you. And I think that, um, probably speaks to a bit of the, you know, your listening skills and your ability to learn from people who are very different from you in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And I um,
0: admire that about you. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think connection is so, so important. And like, yeah. we should, we need to be working together because we're only going to make ourselves all stronger by working together. Absolutely.
1: And like, I, I think about this as- um, as a physio with my clients, like they know their bodies the best. I'm not here to tell them, you know, that I know better. I'm just here to guide them. And I think that some people want somebody to tell them what to do. And we know, we talked a little bit about that and that's that very like patriarchal model. I know better and you have to listen to me, Yeah, but we're, we're doing something different where it's like, we're on the same page here we're, we're working together as a team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a big part of parenthood too. We have to be obviously more, more of a leadership role as parents, but I learned something new for my kids every single day. And they are like incredible teachers. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes as parents, people have, they have too much ego to admit that like, they don't know everything that they do make mistakes all the time. And, um, that's one of my, one of the things that I really admire about, you know, our generation, I think we are doing better for ourselves and then therefore for future generations too.
0: Sure.
1: Um, thank you so much, Maya, for sharing your time with me, with us, with the audience. Um, you know, your Instagram is the at nourishing women dot kids. I will share that in our, um, in my show notes so people can find you, um, your work is so important and I'm so glad that you're doing it. And I'm excited to see where you go, you know, in the next few years. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.